Good evening. Q&A Holes proudly presents The Sea Report with your host, Mr. C. This is The Sea Report for Friday, February 12th, 2021. Good evening, good evening, everyone. I hope everyone's doing well on this Friday evening. I hope everyone's getting ready to have a nice and relaxing weekend. Cold weather still continuing down here in Texas. And uh, yes, uh, so we're back for the uh, <coughs> Friday edition of the Sea Report. Um, let's see. I don't know if we'll have so much follow-up from stories uh, throughout the week. Um, we did have a request for a follow-up on a Miss Sheila Jackson Lee, um, the uh, gun-toting, pedo, jewelry-wearing representative from Houston, Texas. Um, <clears throat> so you can catch that on the B-session tonight. We will have that report, and we will have a B-session tonight for sure. Last night, um, if any of you guys were able to catch the Mr. C and Magadon show on Q&A holes podcast.com. Uh, yeah, we had a pretty good, we had a pretty good show and, um, yes, uh, due to the events of the night, I was not able to get to the B session, but regardless to say, we're still here for the A session. Check out Q&A holes podcast.com. Uh, we have a write up on Sheila Jackson Lee there. And, uh, as we reported to you in an early report, uh, in regards to, uh, the, uh, house resolution, she's attempting to pass HR 127, uh, that will restrict uh, many people from gun rights and will also uh, prohibit many types of uh, uh, circumstances and also ammunition. So check that out. You know, she's going to be she's been trying to pass that for a minute. It looks like we're going to lead today with some Trump news uh, and we're going to just actually because uh, at the time of this recording, uh, the Trump defense team, his uh, lawyer team, in spite of the uh, the lead lawyer, uh, Castor, being uh, somewhat, uh, t- in my opinion, being somewhat lazy. But maybe he was doing that so uh, Shown could go in there and, uh, you know, uh, shine with the um, appropriate, you know, vim and vigor and the appropriate passion uh, and rhetoric, <clears throat> whereas Castor kind of just, um, Castor kind of just right now, he kind like in, in his remarks, uh, that just closed a few minutes ago, uh, he, he basically just cavalierly laid the smack down on, uh, the impeachment team and, um, even good old Joaquini Castro is kind of shaking in his booties there. I wonder if his uh, G-string, you know, got a little tighter after that. But anyways, I just want to share this article with you all um, from, I think this came from the Epic Times. And uh, it's it's just, it's it's from from a former Texas representative. Um, uh, Basically, uh, his thoughts uh, and his uh, assessment of what's going on. The article is called Trump Impeachment political theater ignores U.S. history, constitutional lawyer. From Isabel Van Bruggen and Jan Jekiliek, 
think I said her name that uh, right this time. Um, I watch it be a, watch it not even be a her. Uh, uh, I was gonna say Jakai Jakailik. Then I was like, maybe it's Jakiliak. I don't know. <clears throat> I used to think that I was really good at pr- pr- pronouncing uh, last names, particularly foreign last names. Uh, not not to mention that Spanish last names aren't hard enough for me sometimes. But uh, anyways, I don't know, Jan or Jean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. So uh, the article goes on. The impeachment effort against former President Donald Trump is political theater that goes against the history of the United States and the American Constitution itself, according to constitutional attorney Rick Green. When we have political actors involved, we get political theater. And that's a lot of what we're getting here. Is this the judiciary now? Is the Senate now the judiciary that will try any citizen? Because an impeachment is specifically for someone that is in office, according to the American Constitution. Green, a former Texas state representative and co-founder of the Patriot Academy, told American thought leaders. Trump's attorneys have stated that it goes against the Constitution to impeach or try a former office holder. Virtually everyone agrees that impeachment in our Constitution is designed for those three categories listed in Article 2, Section 4. And that's the president the vice president, and civil officers. So people that are still serving in office, Green said. He said the concept being pushed currently in the impeachment trial, that if Trump isn't convicted, he will get away with doing horrible things and future presidents will be able to do whatever they want and get away with it, is a total red herring. It's literally fantasy, the attorney said. House Democrats, joined by 10 Republicans, voted on January 13th to approve a single article of impeachment against Trump for incitement of resurrection, insurrection, making him the first president to be impeached twice. On February 9th, he became the first former president to stand trial. Democrats alleged that the president incited violence at the Capitol in a speech he delivered near the White House on January 6th. In his address, Trump used the words, fight like hell, in reference to his team's legal efforts around election integrity. The Democrats alleged that Trump used the words to incite his followers to commit violence. However, Democrat House impeachment managers, led by Representative Jamie Raskin, in their arguments on February 10th, presented no evidence to support the allegations that Trump incited an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol last month. Green suggested that in this case, constitutional provisions are being abused in order to silence the opposition. My fear is separation of power. Conflicts here that the Senate becomes more and more the judiciary. And now if they can go after someone that's a citizen like Donald Trump is today, well, they can indict you. They can indict me. They can prevent us from running for future office. I know that was not the view of the Founding Fathers. And when you abuse a constitutional provision in one instance, then other people will be able to abuse it in other instances 
in the future. The constitutional attorney accused the Democratic House impeachment managers of stringing elements of the American Constitution together in order to argue that a former president can be impeached. I've said this throughout this whole process that what they're doing and pulling together different parts of the Constitution and creating these new rules is more worthy of a banana republic than a constitutional republic he said. Green said language from Article 1, Section 3 of the Constitution was taken separated and mixed with some of the language in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment in a way that was both masterful and deceptive. The reason they're doing that is because on one hand, they want to say he's the president. On the other hand, they want to say it doesn't matter if he's the president. He did something awful and we can still impeach. But putting those things together in this way, that they're trying to make their case, it's when we say political theater, he explained. They took a few kernels of truth, a few phrases of the Constitution that they are obviously trying, and even a few historical stories. They use those to weave that together to create a fantasy of a situation that has never been done in history. But it feels like it's accurate and is truth because of the little kernels of truth that were thrown out there. That's frankly good political theater, Green said of the impeachment managers in the way that they presented their arguments. The attorney said that at this point, the United States is living post-Constitution and urged Americans to read the text of the constitutions themselves. We're literally ignoring the constitutional history and the plain text of the Constitution. I think it's important for us to actually, as citizens, to go look at the Constitution ourselves. And not just listen to the silver-tongued rhetoric, he said. He added, It's just like any other trial. You walk into a trial. If trial attorneys are really good, they paint the picture that they want you to believe. And I am afraid they've done that in this case. But it is new territory. And it ignores 240 years of history in the United States. And most importantly, it ignores the Constitution itself. The Democrats have faced an uphill battle in convicting enough Republicans, convincing enough Republican senators that Trump should be convicted. 44 Republicans voted on the first day of the trial that the Senate doesn't have jurisdiction to try Trump because he's now a private citizen. Several Republican senators said on February 9th that the vote is an indicator of how the GOP members will ultimately vote on the question of whether the former president is guilty. Democrats need the votes of at least 17 Republicans in order to secure the supermajority needed to convict Trump. If the vote from the first day of the trials is any indication, the impeachment managers need to change the minds of at least 11 Republicans, a task which even liberal media commentators concede is virtually impossible. Ivan Penchikov contribute to this report. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, You have some thoughts on the constitutionality from a constitutional lawyer. 
and um, uh, basically that argument, you know, there's no way that they can do it. I mean, it's never been done before. And, uh, and that's not to say it probably hasn't been tried before. I mean, I'm sure um, there were a herald of, um, you know, impeachment, uh, you know, uh, desirability, <laughs> for lack of a better word, I'm sorry, um, uh, in regards to like weapons of mass destruction and Bush. I'm sure all of them were up for impeachment. I mean, hell, I think I even remember hearing people talking about that. You know, but it's never been done post-presidency. It's never been done post-presidency. And they could definitely, in retrospect, post-hindsight, impeach a lot of these former presiding officials. House Republicans rebuke Biden administration's immigration action. This from Town Hall. House Republicans are rebuking President Biden's recent executive action related to border security and immigration, citing a growing border crisis. Republicans on the House Homeland Security Committee accuse the president of putting politics ahead of national security as he rolls back restrictions aimed at curbing illegal immigration. Your recent sweeping order, border security and immigration enforcement policy rollbacks are causing a new crisis at our southwest border, undercutting the rule of law and damaging the integrity of our territorial borders. Simply put, Republican members of the committee believe these actions are putting politics ahead of national security at a time when the American people are demanding better, the GOP lawmakers wrote. The Biden administration is also halting COVID restrictions and protocols, as the Republican House members point out. We were troubled to learn that since your administration entered office, more than 1,500 migrants have been released into border communities without knowledge of whether any had COVID-19. They continued noting that the new policy mirroring catch and release has been released. Biden's immigration action is just one line item in his growing stack of executive orders signed during his first day in office. And it caused confusion. As border encounters surge, Biden's immigration action is just one line item in his growing stack of executive orders signed during his first days in office. In a tweet from Tom Cotton, it reads, President Biden's action on immigration have increased illegal border crossings by unvaccinated immigrants in the middle of a pandemic. His administration should release and reassess and reverse these policies that put American lives in danger. The Biden administration needs to answer for this. So, very interesting article here. We have some pushback coming up on <clears throat> Biden for his uh, Im- immigration policies. I mean, really, these are just basically illegal immigration uh, um, <clears throat> uh, 
pro-policies is what Biden has been doing. But in a follow-up to Tom Cotton's tweet, we have uh, by Mike Lachance an article that reads, Republican Senator Tom Cotton presses Biden on flood of unvaccinated illegal immigrants crossing border. Under Biden, illegal border crossings are going up. That would be bad enough on its own, but it's especially bad in the midst of a pandemic when the people crossing the border have not been tested or vaccinated. So here we're not just dealing with people who are in the detention facilities that Biden has already released since he's been in office, and that was, what, 1,500? So now we have 1,500 illegal immigrants that have been released into the communities in the southern United States, 1,500 of them. And we don't know who these people are, and we don't know if they had COVID. If if you want to play up the COVID narrative, since we all know this COVID emergency is a sham, because COVID is just the next flu, like in the future, in 2040, they're going to be like, oh, you got the COVID? All right, well, you know, go hunker down for two weeks and you'll be fine. You know, it'll be like, oh, you got the flu? Oh, you got corona? Okay, well, you, go, you got a No, no, they're not even going to say you got the corona. They're going to say you got a corona. Since it's like a type, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm like, oh, you got a corona? Oh, well, don't come back to school for two weeks. And then, you know, we'll see you when you get better. And then with, you know, all the herd immunity, it won't even matter. So um, that's what it's going to be like in 2034. You know, you know, you'll go to school with your uh, doctor's note that said had Corona or had a Corona, you know, bedridden for a week, rest for another week, go back to school, be a happy child. That's the future. Okay. Anyways, so that's what Corona is. It's a flu. It's a common cold. It's nothing to be afraid of. So if you want to use the Corona card, we'll use the Corona card. And under the Corona card, it says that if you release a bunch of detained illegal immigrants and you don't even know if they have COVID-19, how are you helping the situation at all? That is the question. So thank you, Tom Cotton of Arkansas for uh pushing this idea and oh yeah i almost forgot like this episode's almost like a senator's episode so uh senator tom cotton daddy cotton fighting for um the uh what do you call it fighting for fighting to uphold the uh the laws uh, that uh donald trump helped to arrange and, and enact for immigration, the policies that have been helping the border have lowered human trafficking by 80 to 90 percent and have uh, basically cut off the money supply to uh, such shady elements as the cartel and the deep state and the CIA and probably the FBI. I mean, I think the FBI was was running guns and the CIA is running humans and running drugs. So uh, they all got their part in the pie, I guess. Getting back to the article. um, It says here, Senator Tom Cotton, representative Republican of Arkansas, is pressing Democrat President Joe Biden to answer for what he calls dangerous immigration policies, which are leading to flooding the nations with unvaccinated illegal aliens capable of further spreading the coronavirus within America's borders. 
The letter from Cotton to Biden, signed by several other GOP senators, opens by noting Biden has re-implemented failed immigration policies from former President Barack Obama's administration, before adding that the Biden policies are endangering America's public health as well as the nation's public safety and economic well-being. The letter, which Breitbart News obtained exclusively ahead of its public release, is signed by Senators Marsha Blackburn, Republican of Tennessee, John Barrasso, Republican of Wyoming, Ted Cruz, Republican of Texas, Joni Ernst, Republican of Iowa, James Langford, Republican of Oklahoma, Marco Rubio, Republican of Florida, John Thune, Republican of South Dakota, Mike Lee, Republican of Utah, Rick Scott, Republican of Florida, James Inohefe, Republican of Oklahoma, and Tom Tillis, Republican of North Carolina. We write regarding your administration's efforts to severely weaken border security and immigration controls in the midst of an historic pandemic, Cotton and the GOP senators wrote to the President Biden. Your re-implementation of the failed Obama-era policy of catch and release, your planned rescission of international agreements like the Migration Protection Protocols, also known as the Remain in Mexico program, and your attempts to dismantle immigration enforcement and halt deportations have predictably led to a surge of migration to our southern border. This endangers our economic recovery, weakens public safety, and imperils our nation's public health. Pause. All good points, Mr. Cotton and Senators. All very good points. And I think that one is one that's not talked about enough that they had under Trump. And that was the Migration Protection Protocols or remain in Mexico program. And what that was all about was basically whenever they would catch, instead of catching and releasing these people into the United States and saying, come back in five years for a trial uh, so we can send you back home, um, uh, basically they have to stay in Mexico. They're like, oh, you can walk to the wall, you can cross it. But you're going back home to your mama. Or, you know, I mean, I don't know how that worked. I don't know if they uh, had a facility. I think there might have been a choice of facility, especially if you were a refugee. I think especially with you a refugee. Because everybody knows, you know, status, uh, you know, for refugees, people who are, are seeking asylum. Everybody knows it's the it's the country next door that you're supposed to get asylum from. It's not 10 countries down, okay? Like, it's not across, uh, you know, a freaking canal and uh, uh, or an ocean or a gulf. You know, that's not uh, that's not how that works. You don't have to climb those mountains to seek asylum. All you have to do is cross the border in the country next to you that seems the nicest. And if you're surrounded by ocean on either side, well, you only got two choices. I'm sorry, but you can't travel. You can't five. You can't hop five borders to seek any kind of asylum. I mean, sure, you could pick America if it's political asylum, but uh, if you're just seeking to live in a better country, I'm sure anywhere is better than even the state that you live in. All right, getting back to the article. Cotton has been talking about this on Twitter. 
President Biden can pretend there's no emergency at our southern border, but his policies are drawing surges of illegal aliens. Americans will pay the price for the president's free and open borders. And again, yep, that is just what they're doing. They have free and open borders is what they want, but um, there's a lot more to it than it just being free and open borders. Like, you know, free love. We're all, we're all, we're all, uh, we're all um, humans of the world. We're all one people, etc. No, this is more like, uh, well, we need uh, immigrants to come over here so this way they can, you know, um, like uh, uh, help vote us into uh to help vote america into enslaving itself we need immigrants to come across the southern border that's what we need among other things but um yeah tom cotton is is hitting them where it hurts using their own weapon of mass destruction the uh china virus covid19 kung flu the coronavirus, the Rona, if you're from the other side of the tracks, maybe. Well, here's another story on the Rona, and uh, this will take us to, um, let's see, the National Pulse, conflict of interest. Burder, 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 ethics report, ethics report, we have a conflict of interest. WHO's World Health Organization's COVID investigator is recipient of Chinese communist cash. Cold, hard, communist Chinese cash. Working with Wuhan Lab for 18 years. Oh, so it seems that uh, the World Health Organization recently sent some people over to Wuhan, China, to go inspect the labs and uh, see what's up and if COVID actually came from the Wuhan laboratory. Because don't forget, uh, there's this, it came from the Wuhan laboratory. Then there's, it came from the wet market from some frag. Then there's, it came from a bat. Then there's, it came from a bat in the wet market. Then there's, it came from a bat in the wet market from some animal. It might have been a frag. Then there's, it came from a lab in Wuhan, but was first started a lab in a, what North or South Carolina, and then transported to another lab before it ended up back in Wuhan before it got to the frag that then the bat then then ate and then and then they killed it in the wet market and now the coronavirus. And don't forget that everyone in Wuhan celebrated the new year in like thousands of them with no masks on. All right, so let's see what this conflict of interest is with the World Health Organization. Don't forget, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, separated from the World Health Organization. Don't forget that the World Health Organization sponsored a concert with Lady Gaga that was like, stay at home, oh, be great and stay at home, do as you're told, wear that muzzle, Gaga. Don't forget, these people are all bloodthirsty pagan baby eaters if not satanists okay all right so this from the national pulse let me let me re- let me start again from the national pulse who's covid investigator is recipient of chinese communist cash worked with wuhan lab for 18 years 
A high-profile member of the World Health Organization's recent investigative trip to Wuhan to uncover the origins of COVID-19 has accepted research grants from the Chinese Communist Party and runs a controversial U.S.-based organization which collaborates with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Peter Daszak's ties to the Chinese Communist Party call into question the validity of his and the World Health Organization investigative team, which concluded that it is extremely unlikely COVID-19 came from a Chinese Communist Party lab. Their claims echo Chinese party narratives, and Daszak himself implored the world to not rely on U.S. intelligence for its wrong on many aspects and politically charged in April 2020, Daszak told the Washington Post he had no conflicts of interest despite working with the Wuhan lab for nearly 20 years. Daszak was project leader on 3.7 million grant, 3 3.7 million dollar grant supporting bat coronavirus surveillance at Wuhan Institute of Virology and bat coronavirus gain of function research at Wuhan Institute of Virology. Peter Daszak, who donated to Hillary Clinton 13 times in 2016, serves as the president of Echo Health Alliance, a research organization that has partnered with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the same lab many count as the source of COVID-19. The type of research conducted by the group in tandem with the WIV prompted concern among National Institutes of Health officials for its role in COVID-related research, as outlined in a letter by NIH's Deputy Director for Extramural Research, Dr. Michael Lauer. Dr. Lauer announced the suspension of NIH grants to the group, which saw its studies engineer the highly specific doorway into the human body as COVID-19 as a response. It is our understanding that one of the sub-recipients of the grant funds is the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It is our understanding that WIV studies the interaction between coronaviruses and bats. The scientific community believes that the coronavirus causing COVID-19 jumped from bats to humans, likely in Wuhan where the COVID-19 pandemic began. There are now allegations that current crisis was precipitated by the release from WIV of the coronavirus responsible for COVID-19. Given these concerns, we are pursuing suspension of WIV from participation in federal programs. Oh, so we'll stop there real quick. So, President Trump has always said it came from a lab in China. That's why he calls it the China virus. Mr. President Trump, we miss you very much, but we'll see you soon. And, um, yeah, these, uh, WHO, who love Lady Gaga, sent these people over and they're like, nope, nope, no, no lab here. Didn't come from no lab here. It came from a bat in a wet market. <laughs> All right. The, uh, article continues. 
<clears throat> While speaking at a conference sponsored by state-run media outlet China Global Television Network, or CGTN, Dashak also reveals that he was a recipient of Chinese Communist Party cash. He revealed he has been working in China in collaboration with Chinese scientists and the government of China for over 15 years, supported by federal funding from the U.S. and federal funding from China. Dashak has praised and attended the Beijing-based World Conference on Science Literacy, which is sponsored by the scientific group China Association for Science and Technology that serves as a bridge that links the Communist Party of China and the Chinese government to the country's science and technology community. He has also appeared on panels at a CGTN-sponsored conference in cooperation with the Chinese Society for Science and Technology Journalism, a subsidiary of CAST. The zoologist obtained his PhD in parasitic infectious disease from the University of East London, a college ranked 116th of the 130 in the country. He is a repeatedly appeared on CGTN, including praising the networks as fantastic and great and defending scientific collaboration with the Chinese government Communist Party as important. The news will cause concern that Dashak is now near being the independent arbiter required to get to the bottom of the Wuhan COVID origins. Very interesting article here on COVID. Uh, the, uh, the the suspense and the drama unfolds of finding out the origins of the COVID-19 flu. But can you guys imagine what it would have been like had, like, say, Hillary Clinton been uh, elected president in 2016? Had they successfully stolen the election back then in 2016? Um, maybe the, the uh, coronavirus wasn't here just for Donald Trump uh, to um, to assist in the fraud of the election, because after all, they needed Mellon voting for this to happen. They couldn't have they couldn't have pulled off without having a Mellon vote for them to delay the count and then to do everything else that they needed to do. Um, but they had to use it because they were running out of options in their plan. And ultimately, their plan was to use a pandemic to uh, muzzle everyone and uh, to um, house arrest everyone and to martial law everyone into forcing them to take a vaccine and uh, no telling what else they would have done in that wake. But that is exactly what that is. And um, yep, yep. But don't fret none, because there is uh, more COVID news right over here. Now here's the perfect story for Follow Up Friday. Do you remember when we were talking about Killer Cuomo? Well... Killer Cuomo and the uh, COVID-19 nursing home death scandal is officially heating up. Um, so uh, for those of you who are maybe just hearing about this story for the first time, Governor Cuomo in New York. And this is something that a lot of um, dis- 
I was going to say a lot of discerning. I don't know. Maybe a lot of uh, maybe a lot of curious Americans are aware about a lot of curious Americans who've been, you know, snooping around the newspapers and snooping around the daily reports. Uh, they've known about this for a while. You know, they're not just they're not just they're not just sad. These these curious Americans aren't the type of Americans that are just satisfied with what comes on the TV. They, they actually kind of do some snooping around and they go ogle some websites to see if there's any, you know, different reports out there. See if the flavors, uh, what the flavors are like out in the big world um, of the World Wide Web. But so, so these some people have known about this whole Cuomo thing, right? Governor Cuomo um, from New York. He um, he mandated that uh, when we were at the height of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic back there in March and April of 2020, that um, he mandated that if you were positive for COVID-19 or even if you were recovering from uh, COVID-19, that you had to be taken to a nursing home facility or a rehabilitation facility um, as opposed to maybe going to one of the naval ships that were there at the time um, that were there to hospital individuals with COVID-19. So as a result, a lot of people died. A lot of people, as you can imagine, because here you have elderly people, you have people in special care, you have people with special medical um, attentions. And uh, you go ahead and uh, mandate that uh, anyone who has COVID or, you know, who is recovering from COVID goes into a nursing home. And so, as you can see, that can kind of uh, k- kind of make people question your judgment about why or how something like this could end up happening. Could kind of cause family members to want some accountability or to answer some questions about the unnecessary deaths of their loved ones when um, a decision like this is being made. And why was this decision made? Well, it kind of gets worse. Because uh, Cuomo's administration came under um, came under uh, speculative eyes with the new attorney general of New York State, and um, after a report that she did found that uh, they the numbers they reported from COVID deaths incurred at the nursing homes was underreported. Well, that just kind of got the ball rolling. Then uh, caught the attention of some legislators. Then it caught the attention of some courts. Then the courts decided that they were going to go ahead and rule in the favor of the attorney general and require the subpoenaed reports and the communications from the staff of the administration, Cuomo himself, and to the hospitals were all subpoenaed. And now... In the case of Killer Cuomo and the COVID-19 nursing home death scandal, we see that uh, Governor Cuomo's top aide has admitted that her team did indeed withhold the number of deaths related to COVID-19 in New York's nursing homes in order to shield Governor Cuomo from federal investigation and political scrutiny. Dun, dun, dun. All right, this uh, report from Robert Krejcik 
Governor Andrew Cuomo, Democrat of New York, top aide admitted that her team withheld the number of related deaths to COVID-19 in New York's nursing homes to shield the Cuomo government from federal investigation and political scrutiny. The New York Post reported on Thursday that Melissa DeRosa, New York's secretary to the governor, apologized to Democrat legislators for political damage caused by the Cuomo government's suppression of information related to nursing home COVID-19 deaths. In a recorded call with state Democrat lawmakers, DeRosa said Cuomo's team feared a federal investigation in the context of former President Donald Trump's highlighting of coronavirus-related deaths in New York's nursing homes. This fear motivated Cuomo's government to suppress the statistics against requests for such information from the state's government and citizens' organizations. Cuomo's team prioritized political protection over transparency with New York citizens, assessed Assemblyman Ron Kim, Democrat of Queens, who partook in the conference call. They had to first make sure that the state was protected against federal investigation, Kim told the New York Post. He said DeRosa's remarks sounded like like they admitted that they were trying to dodge having any incriminating evidence that might put the administration or the health department in further trouble with the Department of Justice. That's how I understand their reasoning of why they were unable to share it in real time, the data. DeRosa apologized to state Democrats for negative political consequences resulting from revelations of the Cuomo of the Cuomo's government's the Cuomo government's intelligence and obfuscations. She said, So we do apologize. I do understand the position that you were put in. I know that it is not fair. It is not our intention to put you in that political position with the Republicans. Representative Lee Zeldin, Republican of New York, called for an obstruction of justice investigation into Cuomo, and new Republican Steve Scalise, uh, Democrat of Louisiana, told Breitbart News in August that New York families who had loved ones die from COVID-19 asked him for help in obtaining information from Cuomo related to nursing home deaths. In June, Breitbart News reported that Cuomo neglected to use medical resources made available to him by the Trump administration as part of the Empire State's coronavirus response. Left-wing and partisan Democrat news media outlets regularly praised Cuomo's conduct as governor in the context of the coronavirus outbreak, with many framing Cuomo's approach towards combating COVID-19 as evidence of presidential capabilities. Despite framing the spread of COVID-19 as a crisis, Cuomo wrote a book, American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Panic, during his time heading New York's public health strategy. Cuomo's memoir, memoir ostensibly about leadership in times of crisis, omitted any mention of the number of nursing home deaths related to COVID-19 in New York. In August, Cuomo described COVID-19 as a metaphor, revealing anti-Semitism, racism, and anti-Latino and anti-immigrant fervor he linked to Trump. Cuomo later dismissed criticisms of his COVID nursing home policies as conspiracy. 
The total number of COVID-19-related deaths in nursing homes and assisted living facilities is 15,049, according to New York's latest information. The Associated Press speculated that Cuomo's government underreported Underreporting of deaths linked to COVID-19 in nursing homes may have dealt a potential blow to his image as a pandemic hero. Indeed, Killer Cuomo, it would have. Indeed, Killer Cuomo, it would have. And it's all good. I mean, it's not like there weren't five other governors that also killed. Isn't that Governor Cuomo? Well... I lovingly call these people hashtag governators. They are the governators because they go in there and they kill their citizens. And uh, Killer Cuomo and uh, his time, it seems, might be coming. Um, but really, his uh, his uh, his top aide is Melissa DeRosa. Can you believe she cracked? She was like, oh, my Lord, like they're coming after me. Um, but uh, that just goes to show that uh, the truth of light does eventually the light of truth does eventually break free. Here's a breakthrough. Here's another one with uh, Melissa DeRosa because it's pretty bad. Like the things that she said, it's pretty embarrassing. And I kind of wanted to share that with you. Um, so in this article by Alex Nitzber, Cuomo's, Cuomo aide says state withheld nursing home COVID death data, fearing federal prosecutors. So they're admitting that they they botched the numbers. I mean, they're admitting that they botched the numbers. Um, so this is they, they've just basically they've just basically admitted guilt to the massacre. Uh, the massacre of I mean, c- could you call this uh, age aside? I don't know. Um, I mean, you can't you can't say uh, genocide when it's uh, with people of a certain age. But uh, Cuomo eight says state uh, says state withholding nursing home COVID death data, fearing federal prosecutors, because then we were in a position where we weren't sure if what we were going to give to the Department of Justice or what we give to you guys, what we are we start saying was going to be used against us while we weren't sure if there was going to be an investigation, Melissa DeRosa said. So we weren't sure if there was going to be an investigation, so we just decided to botch the numbers because we weren't sure how you were going to take it. We weren't sure if you were going to be happy that this many people had died. 15,000, not 1,500. 15,000 from Cuomo's mandate. Now, on to the article. Melissa DeRosa, the Secretary of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, indicated during a video conference with state Democrats that the administration held back figures about the state's coronavirus nursing home fatalities amid political attacks from President Trump and the potential that the information could be utilized by federal prosecutors. The New York Post reported that DeRosa said the Cuomo administration had rebuffed a legislative request for the tally in August because right around the time, right around the same time, then-President Donald Trump turns into a giant political football. He starts tweeting that we killed everyone in nursing homes, DeRosa said. He starts going after New York, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. He starts going after California Governor Gavin Newsom. Starts going after Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. As well as targeting the Democratic governors, then-President Trump directs the Department of Justice to do an investigation into us, he said. 
And basically, we froze, DeRosa reportedly said, because then we were in the position where we weren't sure if what we were going to give to the Department of Justice or we give to you guys, what we're saying, what was going to be used against us while we weren't sure if there was going to be an investigation, she explained. That played a very large role into this, she reportedly said. So, we do apologize, DeRosa remarked. I do understand that position that you were put in. I know that it is not fair. It was not our intention to put you in that political position with the Republicans. DeRosa said that it looks like the DOJ is not looking at New York's nursing home fatalities. All signs point to they are not looking at this. They've dropped it, she said. They never formally opened an investigation. They sent a letter asking a number of questions, and then we satisfied those questions, and it appears that they're gone. Rich Azopardi, a spokesperson for Governor Cuomo, said in a statement, We explained that the Trump administration was in the midst of a politically motivated effort to blame Democrat states for COVID deaths and that we were cooperating with federal document productions, and that was the priority, and now that it was over, we can address the state legislature. That said, we were working simultaneously to complete the audit of information they were asking for, as a party said. Democrat Assemblyman Ron Kim participated in the video call and informed the Post that DeRosa's comments sounded like they admitted that they were trying to dodge having an incriminating evidence that might put the administration or the health department in uh, further trouble with the Department of Justice. That's how I understand their reasoning of why they were unable to share in real time the data, Kim said. They had to first make sure that the state was protected against federal investigation. The news drew condemnation and talk about impeachment in the capital of the Empire State, according to Fox News. The outlet said that Rep. Representative Lee Zeldin would like the Justice Department to initiate an obstruction of justice investigation. The families of thousands of dead New York seniors deserve accountability and justice for the true consequences of Governor Cuomo's fatally flawed nursing home policy and the continued attempts to cover it up. It's clear what's happening here is criminal, Zeldin said, according to Fox News. A petition to remove Cuomo was started on Change.org about nine months ago, calling for New York State's Assembly and Senate to begin an impeachment inquiry. Elected in 2010, Governor Andrew M. Cuomo has terrorized New York State for nearly 10 full years now. Cuomo's first made headlines early in his tenure by promoting massively irresponsible state budgets, government overreach, and the disenfranchisement of the working class by spending jobs, sending jobs out of state, reads the petition, which now has over 5,700 signatures. With the coronavirus, Governor Cuomo has been thrust into the national spotlight while the media propped him up as a savior. Cuomo pursued policies that endangered our population and even sent senior citizens to their deaths by sending infected patients to nursing homes. May killer Governor Cuomo's time come.
And another killer governor in the news, California's killer governor Newsom. Um, this article from Breitbart, Breitbart says, "Recall leader, we have the signatures for a vote on Gavin Newsom." So Gavin Newsom, who, on top of sending uh, sending COVID infected patients to nursing homes, has also come down under a lot of fire for a lot of his COVID policies, including breaking his own policies of uh, dining indoors in gatherings of more than 10 in feet closer than six. Gavin Newsom. Uh, looks like there's been an effort, possibly a concerted one, to uh, impeach him or to recall him to bring him down. The article states... Tom Del Baccaro, leader of the ongoing effort to recall Governor Gavin Newsom, announced Wednesday evening that the campaign had reached the 1.5 million signatures required to put the matter to a vote, but will keep going. Everyone, everyone, we have over 1.5 million raw signatures, but they are not all verified, Del Baccaro tweeted. My message is that 1.5 million sounds great, but it's not enough. To ensure qualification, we need 1.9 million. Del Blasco, Del, Del Baccaro, who ran against Kamala Harris in 2016 primary for U.S. Senate in California, noted that the campaign needed to pad its signature total by March 17th deadline in the event that some signatures were challenged and tossed. Newsom would become the first California governor to face a recall vote since Democrat Gray Davis in 2003, who lost and is replaced by Republican Arnold Schwarzenegger. There have been 55 past attempts to recall a governor. Only the recall against Davis formally qualified for a ballot. The California Secretary of State's website notes, Since 1913, there have been 178 recall attempts of state-elected officials in California. Ten recall efforts collected enough signatures to qualify for the ballot, and of those, the elected officials was recalled in six instances. Several candidates, including both Republicans and Democrats, have already indicated their interest in participating in a recall election should one qualify for the ballot. So, yes, it looks like they're doing as much as they can to um, uh, recall Gavin Newsom, Governor Killer of California. Not Governor Killer, but Killer Governor. I apologize. Um, let's see if they're able to find any information about those nursing home deaths in California, since uh, that is something that he is slated to have um, have uh, actually done over there to his uh, own population. Bringing another senator into the limelight here at the Sea Report. I guess today was uh, Senator Day, since uh, according to Castor's opening for the, peach and, uh, uh, the impeachment of Donald Trump, uh, senators don't get enough love. Yeah, my senator, I tell you what. That's my senator. Well, let me tell you about Senator Daddy DeSantis. 
Senator Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida slams Biden's proposed travel restrictions on Florida with rock solid facts. Uh, the next two articles come from the right scoop. Governor Ron DeSantis gave a terrific statement today slamming Biden's proposal, proposed travel restrictions on Floridians, calling it a political attack against the citizens of Florida and leveling it as anti-science with rock-solid facts. The recent report that the Biden administration is considering restricting the travel of Floridians is completely absurd especially when Biden allows illegal aliens to pour across our southern border. We won't allow Floridians to be unfairly targeted for political purposes. The first point he made was quite satisfying, noting that Biden is considering this travel ban while allowing illegal aliens to pour across the border unmolested. But then he turned it up by pointing out this proposal isn't based on science and is nothing more than a political attack. He starts by pointing out how well Florida is doing regarding COVID cases per capita since December 1st, saying they are 28th in the country. In other words, 27 other states are worse than Florida. He then notes Florida rates 30th in COVID hospitalizations per capita, saying there are 29 other states worse than Florida. Florida ranks 42nd in fatalities per capita, noting that there are 41 other states worse than Florida. DeSantis then lays out how Florida is even trending better regarding COVID than most other states and how they vaccinated more seniors than any state. DeSantis says he's stood with Floridians throughout this pandemic and he will stand with them against this as well and oppose this proposal 100%. So go and get him, Daddy DeSantis. Now, I must say at the right scoop, there is one thing wrong about this article that I must point out. Uh, in this article, page one, paragraph three, you state the first point he made was quite satisfying, noting that Biden is considering this travel ban while allowing illegal aliens to pour across the border unmolested. That statement is false. Everyone knows that the Biden administration wants these uh, illegal immigrants to get molested before they pour over the border. Or maybe in transition. Anyways, okay, sorry. Just a little crass humor for you guys on a Friday afternoon. Calm down, calm down. Don't get your panties in a knot. Don't get them stuck anywhere up there. Um, here's another one. Um, so this this came hot on the heels, of course. Uh, this article about Mr. Daddy DeSantis, Mr. Ron DeSantis, Governor of Florida, laying the smack down on um, faux science. Hot on the heels of the uh, Super Bowl. Governor DeSantis drops truth bombs on reporter after bringing up maskless Super Bowl celebrations. Um, Governor DeSantis held a presser today and was asked by a reporter about the maskless Floridians in the photos and videos from the Super Bowl celebrations. But he did not pull any punches in his response as he pointed out the media's absurdly obvious hypocrisy on the issue. Fox 13 reports. During a news conference in Venice, DeSantis spoke about the increase in COVID-19 vaccines that have been made available to senior citizens. He then took questions from the media. 
<laughs> one reporter brought up the photos that went viral this week of crowds celebrating in the streets after the Super Bowl, despite cases of the UK variant continuing to rise in Florida. When asked what he would tell those who saw the photos and are scared that are not enough, that not enough is being done to stop the spread, DeSantis said the media is worried about that, obviously. You don't care as much if they're celebrating a Biden election or a supposed peaceful protest. You only care about it if it's people you don't like. Well, I'm a Bucks fan, and I'm damn proud of what they did on Sunday. That is Senator Ron DeSantis of uh, Florida there. Senator Ron DeSantis, he says... Just like Trump media, just like Trump, the media wants to blame DeSantis for everything in his state to make it seem like DeSantis isn't doing enough to stop the spread of the new UK variant. Dude is trying hard as hell to make sure seniors in his state get the vaccine as quick as possible, and all these reporters want to do is throw turds at him. But instead of giving a mealy mouth answer or cowering in other ways, DeSantis turns it around on them like a boss, throwing their own hypocrisy right back in their faces and standing up for truth. And I can't get enough of it. Well said, article at the right scoop. Well said. And finally, in this session of the A Report... Uh, President select Joe Biden, hashtag illegitimate Joe. Um, an article regarding some of his foreign policy. This one comes from Newsmax. So let's take it with a grain of salt, everybody. Biden facing serious dilemmas on Afghan troop withdrawal. U.S. official Biden. U.S. official Biden in a suit and red tie in front of U.S. flags. President Joe Biden faces serious dilemmas in Afghanistan as a deadline to withdraw troops nears and the Taliban shows no sign of ending their bloodshed, a top U.S. official warned. The new U.S. leader has ordered a review of the deal Washington cut with the Taliban last year, which promised the withdrawal of all foreign forces by May 1st in return for security guarantees from the militants and a commitment to peace talks with the Afghan government. The talks are progressing painfully slow, but scarcely a day goes by without a bomb blast, attack on government forces, or a targeted assassination somewhere in the country. Violence level remains very, very high which is shocking and deeply disappointing, a senior State Department official told the AFP this week on condition and on anonymity. It is unquestionably damaging the atmosphere for any kind of a settlement of Afghanistan conflict. The Taliban routinely deny responsibility for the attacks, and many are claimed by the rival jihadist group Islamic State, but Washington has no doubt who is to blame. In our view, the Taliban are responsible for the vast majority of the targeted killings that we have seen, the official said, adding they had created 
and ecosystem of violence. It is clearly intended, I think, to demoralize citizens, to add to doubts that people have about their government, and to add to the aura of inevitability of a Taliban victory, he added. No U.S. combat deaths in a year, the new Biden administration, he said, which was committed to upholding the deal despite their view, now faced serious dilemmas. All right, we'll see how that goes. I don't know, Newsmax. uh, Is this a plant article or is this a real article? Because I just don't know if I can trust you, Newsmax. I just don't know if I can trust you. All right, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed that spot of news for this session. Thanks again for tuning in to The Sea Report here on Q&A Holes Podcast. Catch us on Spreaker, where you can also catch other programs on the E6W network. Specifically from Q&A Holes, you can catch our call-in shows Wednesday and Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Go to qandaholes.com for podcast.com. Pardon me, qandaholespodcast.com for more information on that. Also, the... Uh, Q&A Holes News Break, which comes out daily, Monday through Friday, and on Thursdays, the Mr. C and Magadon Show, where we get down right to the Q-thickness of all of your Q-estions, because there still are plenty of them out there. All right, you guys, y'all have a good one. We will talk to y'all in a little bit. And we will see you on the flip side. Enjoy your weekend. This is Mr. C for the C Report signing out. And take care.